2: Welcome the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a really good show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we will be doing a rebroadcast with Rifka Goldstein, who wrote a book called Creating a Life That Matters. And you could have a life that matters, too. I'm sure You're, everybody's life matters, but you just got to know what buttons to push. In the second half hour of the show, we'll be talking about the portion of Akev which can be found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 and following some interesting philosophical discussions which are mentioned in that portion. There is music scattered throughout the show. Baruch Hashem, the three weeks are over. We've passed by Tisha B'av. I hope everybody had a meaningful Tisha B'av, and we can go back to listening to uh, proper Instrumental, like, accompanied music until Sefirah, which is after Passover next year. A dynamic Hasidic story all the way at the end. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Three terrorists opened fire at a checkpoint near Shechem. IDF soldiers returned fire, killing all three. Israeli forces arrested 32 wanted terrorists throughout Judea, Samaria, and the Jordan Valley in raids this week. In other news, Israel and Vietnam signed a free trade agreement. The agreement will open the import and export of goods between the two countries. Israel, in other news related to that, Israel signed a framework agreement, which I'm not actually sure what's the difference, what's a framework agreement, with the Ivory Coast, that's in Africa, in the fields of agriculture, water, and technology. Ivory Coast is also dealing with Iran back Hezbollah. Standard and Poor's downgraded Israel's bond rating in lieu of the judicial reforms going on there. Moody's left the rating unchanged, but urged caution when investing. They said it's going to be a very interesting two years. I'm sure whatever happens, it'll be definitely very interesting. And finally, in the idea of turning evil to good, the brick with anti-Semitic writing that was thrown through a window at the Chabad House of Pensacola, Florida, will be used as a cornerstone for their new Building That's really cool. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times that Encompass Healthcare like an ER's. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248 624 Ninety eight hundred. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. I have online. Rivka Goldstein has written a book, Creating a Life That Matters, How to Live and Love with Meaning and Purpose. Rivka is a Harvard graduate and she currently is. I'm pulling up her bio. just a second. And she is a relations coach helping men and women navigate the world of dating, marriage, parenting, family, and step-family relationships. A native of Singapore, and that's uh, as far as we're going to go. As far as that, if anybody else wants to see any more about her bio, they can pick up creating a life that matters. How are you, Rivka?
1: Thank you. Thank God.
2: Okay, so you are a relations coach and with a degree in theology, how does a degree from theology translate into a relations coach, if I might
1: ask? So first, let me tell you a little bit about the book. Is that okay?
2: Let's, let's, so let's hear a little bit about yourself first, maybe.
1: Okay. So I was born in a Buddhist Taoist household, and I grew up in, in a Christian, with a Christian education. And my entire life, I was always searching and I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't know what it looks like, tastes like, smells like. But when I came to Yiddishkeit, when I came to Judaism, I felt home. This is what, I was, what I've been looking for. Um, while I was at Harvard, I was, um, I was still... There was pre-Judaism. And I felt that, you know, it didn't answer my questions about life. You know, I left Harvard with, the, with the education. and no idea what God, is, what God expects from us, what life is all about. Which brings us to the book so when I found out that I was um, going to be a mother for the first time at 40, I went into, you know, I was overjoyed, but I also wanted to leave my son with a manual, a life manual, you know, in the event that God forbid I didn't make it, I was a mature mom. I just wanted to make sure that my son knew who we were and what life is about. So I left him this, I wrote this book, which I call a life manual because I wanted him to have that. Um, you know, something to guide him through life from the beginning to the end, from dating, parenting, marriage, and everything in between, and God forbid, tragedy, and how to deal with them. I wanted to leave him the book that we all wanted, and we didn't get it. You know, we said, you know, life didn't come with a manual. We didn't know what we're doing. You know, they never taught us in school. and um, And, you know, we had to figure this out. So I wanted to make sure that my son did not have that issue; that he had the manual, and it was going to guide him through life. And hence, the result is this book.
2: Oh, that's fascinating! So you Mm cooperate? It says actually, Manus Friedman has top billing on it. So, but he cooperate? Did he cooperate with you? Did you cooperate with him? How did How did Rabbi Friedman get involved?
1: Rabbi Friedman is a legend of his own, and so essentially, I started when I was pregnant. I started writing my son a love letter. So that lovely letter essentially translated into this book that is based entirely on Rabbi Freeman's teachings. Because when, when I was uh, you know when I was doing this project, this labor of love, I realized that you know Rabbi Freeman has has the answers, and there was only no to reinvent the wheels. So this book was very much based on his wisdom and you know his teachings. He's been counseling people for over fifty years. He's been teaching for over fifty years. And um here we have a quintessential, you know, all summary of of, of his basic teachings.
2: Okay. So now yes. it now it sounds like that the life manual and I've often often said this. Yes. That okay, life doesn't come with a manual, but the Jews have the Torah which we've used as a support and has been something that we've all <laughs> fallen back on. So what have you done so it sounds like you've incorporated torah ideals so explain your your uh, way about going about that rifka goldstein
1: so yes very well you're you're exactly correct that the torah is our manual and the torah is our guide but i've also come from a perspective as a convert i came from the world where it was unclear there was a lot of confusion there was no straight line answers about what you know god needs from jews and what god needs for that matter what God needs from non-Jews. Um, so I, I use the word that life manual in a way that, you know, that's what people say, um, you know, it's just says, you know, people say on the street that, you know, life doesn't come with a manual and that's not true. You're correct about that. You're right about that. And so this book is a summary of, of uh, a, a, let's just put it this way. It's in a modern vernacular of what the, what the Torah is telling us, but in our, you know, in modern language, so to speak,
2: okay let's let's do this as a sort of like an outline form. So mm-hmm. when a child's first born, the child really doesn't really need anything other than its mother to take care of it. So at that point, I would think that the book is geared more towards should be geared towards the mother more than to the to the, the individual. and only then when the individual starts growing up, they would be needing uh, direction. so what what would you say to the new mother then, Irifka Goldstein?
1: So to raise an excellent child or a moral child, you yourself has to be that. You have to model, obviously. You need to know. Uh, you have to live a life that inspire your children. So what is a life that inspires your children? It's a life that is moral, a life that knows right from wrong and teaches, uh, you know, that's based on what God expects from us. And so I would say that for a new mother, that um, she should know that every... every you know, her every everything she says and her every move she makes is gonna make an imprint on her child and that um, she doesn't have to be lost or confused. There are there are, you know, instructions, there are manuals as we say, um, that uh, that can guide her in her life. So she's never alone and that she should most definitely um, be inspired to live the life that what God's expect because what God expects from us is Eternal is consistent. Um, you know, it doesn't change from one day to another. Um, and if she sticks by that, and it should be, uh, it will be, it will be easy. Okay. And I think it's important also to teach our children. It's the first chapter in the book to talk about the difference between living and existing. To live, what's the difference? As I teach my child, I say the difference between living and existing is that to exist. To, to exist, you have needs. I need, I want, I need mine. But life is about what do you need? What can I do for you? So it's important to teach children to know the difference from a very young age, and that we should also know this difference uh, in our in our life. Okay, our
2: guest our guest today is Rifka Goldstein. She's written a book together with Rabbi Manus Friedman, "Creating a Life That Matters: How to Live and Love with Meaning and Purpose." I see the second chapter of the book is Life After Death. Should we, right at the beginning, be worried about what's going to happen after we die? I mean, that, I
1: think you'd leave that for the, the last chapter.
0: <laughs>
1: well, the book is separated into three main sections. So you could pick the chapters that you like, and you could read it just, you know, uh, pick, pick by chapters and read. Yeah.
2: Okay. How old is your oldest?
1: Thank God, I only have one. Thank God, he just turned eleven. Baruch Hashem.
2: Okay, so you 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 haven't answered my. You won't be able to answer my question because one of life's great challenges is teenagers, and I'm wondering if you've solved the problem of teenagers. But the answer is, call you back in about uh, ten years, and we'll see how that goes. So (laughs) just just wait, Rivka. Just wait. So.
1: (laughs)
0: well one
1: quick one quick word of advice to teenagers is give them a, a, an identity that's above them you know help them to rise above the current situation give them give them something that they're needed for you know instead of giving them what they need all the time, give them something above
2: okay Recently, meaning to
1: say that you know yeah
2: I yeah i understand okay now um recently here in michigan there was a tragedy it had, it made oh, yeah. national news and mm. it was the a deed which was perpetrated by a teenager so the, there's i suppose it might be a two-fold question for you i know that not everybody has all the answers but the first thing is what we'd like to see is how would such how could we as parents make it such that um, our kids aren't involved in such activities. And the second question, which is more important for right now, is what can one say to those who are the victims of such a tragedy, Rifka Goldstein? It's a long so,
1: question. I know. So first of all, first of all, teenagers are by nature idealistic, they want to change the world they feel that like they can they want to do something greater and bigger than themselves and we have to let them and guide them in the in a path of of you know fulfilling that mission so it's not true that you know they are not bendable and that you cannot impact or influence them it's not true you can you can influence them and direct them in the in a in a way that that they could devote themselves completely to it they just need to Connect, find and connect with that higher purpose, so we shouldn't give them less, we should give them more, we shouldn't expect less, we should give you know expect more and and certainly you know help them find an outlet where they can um, fulfill that ideal that ideal that they have, which is to change the world for the better so so on the flip side, on the flip side. You know, when they don't have that, and they also they they think that uh, one of the ways to to change the world is um, going that wrong path, so to speak. So, so even that person, that child, that is that is um, doing something that that's negative. It's also in that mind frame of hoping that you know he in his mind he is changing. He is he's trying to make an impact. Um, as for your second question, I'm not sure if I have an answer other than, you know, as a parent, as a mother, um, all, you empathize and there's a lot of pain that you, can't, you, cannot, you, you cannot describe and explain, you know, so, so I don't have an answer for the second mm-hmm. your okay. second point, yeah, other than empathy and prayers, you know.
2: Okay, so I see that you, you, would, you do address the idea of, of bad in the world. So, according to the way you perceive it, then why, why is there bad Goldstein?
1: So that's a. This is a long drawn um, conversation. Um, we have time. That, that, so that it's not that there is bad in the world. We don't have two gods. We don't have a god that is good or a god that is bad. There is no two gods in 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 creation. The very same God is in charge of both. Our job is to say, God, help us. And this is one of the prayers we say in the morning. We say to Hashem, we say, God, open my eyes, align my thoughts, help me to get in your brain, help me to see the world through your eyes and in, you know, through the way you see it. Because we don't see the big picture. So it's not that God. Uh, so it's not as though that you know there's a separate God governing bad in the world. There's a there's a, there's a good God and a bad God. It's not like that.
2: Okay, could you elaborate on a little bit more, please? Because um, a lot of people are in the, the people look at uh, events that happen in the world and they say that's really a horrible thing that happened, and there's really very little way to explain that it's not a horrible thing that happened. So could you elaborate, please, Rifka Goldstein?
1: So God gave us all free choice. We all have free choice to do what within, you know, God, God gave us free choice to, to connect with him or not connect with him. This is the only time in our lives where we have freedom of choice. Okay. as for the as for what we see that's happening in the world you know i think that that explains it that summarizes it
2: okay we'll leave it at that then okay so there's two more parts to the book the first one is like sort of like your major outlook on major outlook on life the second part of the book deals with marriage okay there are a zillion marriage books out there what have and there's even a zillion marriage books written by eminent rabbis. So what has creating a life that matters, how to live and love with meaning and purpose purpose, added to the wealth of marriage books and Jewish marriage books that are out on the market, Rifka Goldstein?
1: So Rabbi Friedman has one of the most um, interesting out, outlook on what marriage is about. And <laughs> essentially is that god modeled for us hashem ekhat hashem modeled for us what marriage is about marriage is not about a thing it's about you and me it's about two people dissolving becoming one it's not about um, it's not even about love you know people think that we should be, we should get married if we love each other we should get married and Rabbi freeman's take on this is very interesting because he explains it this way beautifully he says look you know love is an emotion and by virtue, by virtue of being an emotion, it's unstable. It's up, it's down, it's sideways. You cannot build a home or a marriage based on something as flimsy as that. So we, we live in a culture that worship love. You know, love will see us through. Love never fails. Love will keep us together. Oh, no, it won't you know so it's all of this ideal this um idol worshiping around the concept of love but the truth is what's more important is our oneness our home that we belong to each other because if you if you if we understand that if we understand that that's what marriage is about that's what that's what we need to base our our, our home then we have a solid foundation so that so that when when your, when your spouse wakes up one morning and the love isn't there, you still have each other. You don't have to throw the marriage out because if you continue to respect each other, if you continue to be considerate, then the love will come. The love will surface again.
2: Interesting. So, so you're mm-hmm. saying then that a good marriage is based on respect?
1: Based on respect, based on consideration, um, based on the deep understanding that we are one, we are we are together. We, you know, we are we are we belong with each other. It's like our relationship with Hashem. Hashem and us, we are one. And sometimes we are impossible, and Hashem looks at us and he's disgusted, but he doesn't throw us out. You know, we're still together. We're still we're still united, and we're still connected to Hashem. So it should be with that mentality that we go into our marriage. We should be the same. You know, anything, nothing should come between you and your husband. Nothing should come between you and your wife. If something comes between you, it's unholy. Toss it out because any separation is unholy. So any separation from God is not holy. We want to be united. And the same applies to marriage.
2: Okay, understood, okay, in the last mm-hmm. section we are, we are unfortunately running out of time for this segment of the show, but the last mm-hmm. section deals with parenting, and uh, <laughs> there are so many advice books about parenting. you've also told you know give your child purpose, which is a very good a very a very very, very good point but um what what about in dealing with children that i mean <laughs> every parent has an idea how I want my child to grow up. And every child has an idea how I want to grow up.
1: <laughs> and that then
2: leads to, I guess, suppose, the generation gap, which was a t- term that was coined when I was a kid and which exists has existed since, I guess, maybe Adam had Seth. There's been a generation ga- gaps. And uh, so what would you then say? How is it that parents, and more important, children, should be able to get on the same page so that there isn't any, so, so we, let's say, minimize, we're not going to get rid of it, minimize the tension of kids growing up, Rifka Goldstein.
1: So obviously we have values that we want to impart to our children, and we want them to grow up a certain way and, and, and live their life by certain values. But more important than anything, you need to make your child feel that they come first, that you're on their side. They need to feel that you're, con- you're connected. They need to feel that, that, you know, th- that you're not going to choose an external value over them. So now this is a tough one for a convert like me because I want so much to impart this beautiful, time-tested wisdom of Jewish values to my child. And uh, and so one day he said to me, you know, Ima, I want to be Jewish, but I don't want to be Jewish Jewish. And he was about six years old when he said that, and it was a wake-up call for me, and it made me realize that, okay, so in, in my effort or my zealousness in trying to impart to him these good values, I must have made him feel that, you know, that those values are more important than him. So, so, I think it's important for us to to do that to make our children feel that when they come home from wherever they are, parents should light up, they should be happy to see their children and make them feel welcome, make them feel that oh, you know what together at meal time, there should not be any criticism, there should not be any conversation that is texting that's difficult um when you're sitting down to have dinner, you're nurturing your body, so we should also nurture you know their emotions and and everything else that um to make them feel safe—that's the word. That's the word that Rabbi Freeman says. That you should feel, make your children feel safe at mealtime. Um, so things like that. If you, if you and your children are what we say tight, if you're tight with your kids, then you have a better, better chance of of influencing them in 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 a good way. Better chance of impacting their lives, you know. And if they feel that you don't understand them and you don't get them, then that's when they want they, they're going to go. Elsewhere to look for, look for you know affirmation and and validation. So we should give our children what they need: security, comfort, at home, and all of that. And then from that place, we show them the good way. Mm -hmm.
2: And how do you, if Goldstein, relate to your parents whose values you rejected?
1: So this is the difficulties for me because I didn't grow up with um, with everything that I put in the book. I was very much a neglected child. I had to navigate and figure out life on my own very much. Um, you know, I had to init- init- initiate myself to womanhood. I had to find my way. So I was a very much a neglected child uh, in that way. Um, so because of that, I think that my passion and my this I have this urgent need to make sure that my child's not gonna be lost and that he's gonna have uh you know a blueprint so to speak uh to guide him through life in the event that I'm not here, that he will have that. So even though I my physical parents uh were were there, they were very much uh absent in in so many ways. Uh so I thank God for for them because um obviously that was my path, that was my journey. Um all the difficulties, all the difficulties in childhood, all the difficulties growing up, all of that was part of my journey
2: okay understood so, that's, gonna, that's yeah. gonna do it for us the book we are again today our guest has been rivka rivka goldstein who has collaborated with rabbi Manus friedman composed a book called creating a life that matters how to live and love with meaning and purpose it is published by it's good to know publishing and is available at that website good to know do you have a website, Rivka, that people might be able to get in touch with you if they have questions about your book or general questions or they, they see that you're a uh, a relations expert, maybe they have some relations questions for you, and do you have a radio show where people call in and ask you questions?
1: So I do have a website. It's askdodarivka.com. Ask, D-O-D-A-R-I-V-K-A dot com. So D-O-D-A means And. So I'm the community needs Anne, so ask, ask Rifka.com rick, yes. Um, you can reach me there.
2: Okay, wonderful. And we wish you continued success. And is there going to be a sequel Amen. to, like, creating a life, maybe you know, now that you've made a life, Rivka. Baruch Hashem. Okay, we'll take you to that. Okay, we wish you all the best, and uh, take care. We're going to take, take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. On assurance of quality and excellence in kosher, look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for Kosher, and S-U-P for Supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herr Schulfenman, here you're listening to The Jewish Hour. I hope you found that as inspiring as I do and will run out. Actually, you don't have to run out and buy things anymore. You just you can even sit in your armchair and look on your phone and buy things. But Creating a Life That Matters by Rifka Goldstein. For your listening pleasure, this is a remix of a song that came out about a year ago. The same artists are doing it. It's Matt Dubb, Mordecai Shapiro, and Benny Friedman. The song is called Lechayi Lamim, which is liturgical. We we, uh, say this prayer on Shabbos morning, and it says, it goes through the whole Hebrew alphabet and is bestowing God's Uh, um, great accomplishments, you might say, in creating the world and how much we are indebted to God. This sounds like, uh, I didn't say it in the uh, liner notes, but to me this sounds like the techno version. Let's hear Lechayu (laughs) Elamim. Be it epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call. Eight hundred six zero three eighteen thirteen. That's eight hundred six zero three eighteen thirteen. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herr Schulfinman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. This is a college band coming up. Now, this is a called the Berkeley College. They're a uh, music school, as a matter of fact. I'm not sure where Berkeley is. It's B-E-R-K-L-E-E. I think it's maybe in Chicago. Berkeley Klez Club, and Klez Club is spelled with both with K's. And the song is Freilachs, and this was, I believe, a uh, Klezmatics rendition, and I like it. like that. That was the Freelichs. Up next, this is Yosef Farkash. We've played some stuff from him over the years. And this is an, a, uh, an acoustic version of a song called Nachon Libi, My Heart is Ready.
0: Nachon Libi, Nachon Libi. Shira v'azamera U'rachab oti U'ranaevel v'chino A'ira-shachah A'ira-shachah Nekon libi elokhi Nekon libi Ava Zamerah, Uva let me be Elokim Honly be a shiran vas a mega Uajeboti Uane vegino a Ira
2: Arshel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week we'll be reading the portion of Akev, which can be found in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 8. There's a very interesting verse. The verse reads, I afflicted you, and I starved you, and I fed you the manna. Which, what? I starved you, and I fed you. What's What? It's like, huh? What's going on? The very interesting thing with the manna, as it's described in the portion where they got the manna way back in the the Book of Exodus, that they weren't allowed to leave anything over. So when they went to sleep, they had nothing in the pantry. It's a very amazing thing. The, the it's, it's a phenomena, it's humankind wide. If there is an impending doom and gloom of some sort that the media has hyped up on. So what do people do? Like I remember Y2K. Okay. Y2K was one of those things. It's like, we don't know what's going to happen. And the whole th- world is going to shut down. And so everybody ran out and bought goods and bottled water. <laughs> I remember the store saying, no returns on canned goods or bottled water. You want this stuff, you keep it. And every time there's like a th- a, a snowstorm coming, there's going to be a snowstorm. So everybody runs to the store. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a power outage. So everybody like runs to. The- so it's, you got to have stuff, you know. So it's like. <sighs> power outages last a day or two. You got food in the house. It's all, it's all, it's all good. You got, you have food in the house and thank God, if you don't have food in the house somewhere, there's a store that is open that does have power. You can go buy more. So even during that great blackout of, I think it was 2002 or 2004 where the whole Eastern half of the country was shut down so I made barbecued gefilte fish. It was actually quite delicious. First and only time ever. So there you have now so that's understood. So when the Jews went to sleep with absolutely not a morsel in their house in their tents in their cupboards. That was considered as an affliction and a starving, they had they had two beautiful meals. Imagine, you know, we, how much did they eat every day? They had to eat five pounds of manna. That's a lot of food. I don't think, I'm a big person. I'm six foot eight and weigh 250 pounds. I don't believe that I eat five pounds of food in the course of a day. But every man, woman, and child in the desert ate five pounds of manna every single day. When they went to sleep, there was always that worry. Are we going to get fed tomorrow? They weren't hungry now. They had today. And this is, let's say, it's going on for 40 years. In year 39, they're still worried. And for many people, anybody who was like 38 years old or younger, this was like normal. You wake up in the morning and you get manna. You, that's, that's, that's how life is. That's all they knew. But the Almighty said, I starved you. So what then is the purpose of this test, you might say? So the manna, as great as it was, it was all part of, it was an exercise in faith and trust in God. Will there be food tomorrow? Yes, there will be food tomorrow. There's an interesting law in Judaism that says you shouldn't finish your plate. You should always leave over a mouthful on the plate. Understood that. You're not going to get fuller from the one mouthful. And I've always asked the question, well, what about if you're having seconds? Do you still have to leave the mouthful on the plate? Never got an answer for that one. Because you don't want to appear that this is like Your last meal is not going to be any more food. You can leave something over. Trust in the Almighty. And this has been going on now with people for 5,783 years and almost 11 months that every single day we have to go look to get something to eat. We have to always look for how are our bills going to be paid. And the Almighty always seems to come through. And that's sort of like the bottom line. Yes, I afflicted you, and I and I and I hungered you, I made you hungry. But by Chilu S Haman, but I fed you the man. I fed you the manna. So this is this is what's this is what really is the uh the deal. Is kind of like we have to like Go with the flow, ride the waves, see what happens next. Trust that God is going to take care of us. We know God will. The month of July is coming quickly to an end. July thirty first is the uh, Sunday, the first day when this show officially, uh, this episode officially was broadcast. Even though it's posted in many many venues, uh, many me- media on Friday already. That's just for the station's convenience. So, but August is here. And we said, we made a promise that if the bills get paid during this month, we won't make a pledge. So the first week of July, somebody came through and said, here's your bill for, here's, your, here's how much you need for the month of July. And I didn't make any, any requests that people send funds. I lived up to my promise. I told longer stories. I did what I did. But Monday, no, Tuesday is August first. And uh I'm making the pledge now that you should go to RabbiFinman.com dot com if you're not listening on Rabbi Finman. Uh Stitcher is falling out. And I don't have to leave a listen to my uh my intro. I think we took off my intro, yes. He used to say you can listen to stitch uh, listen to the show on the Stitcher app, but I don't think I said that anymore at the intro, uh, because Stitcher is going away. It got bought out by uh, SiriusXM, so you'll have to listen to the show on SiriusXM, which is not not a terrible thing. But it's also on Odyssey, it's on iHeartRadio, it's also Apple Apple Podcasts, it's on. Uh, Spotify, and mostly I'd like to direct people to RabbiFinman.com, because when you're at RabbiFinman.com, you get to look at all the other way cool neato stuff that's on RabbiFinman.com, like the eParsha and the Parsha, which are other media in which we express Judaism in an entertaining and educational way. And while you're there, there also happens to be the donations page And that's how the Jewish Hour, which has been on air for 29 years now. I started this program when I was a little kid, just past my bar mitzvah after my voice dropped. is there, and we need your help. We need your help for paying for August. It's uh, coming up to uh, the month of Elul, and Elul is the month when you have to take stock of of what was your year like? Did you give enough charity? Is one of the things you have to take a look at. So take a look and see how's your charitable giving. And you can consider a donation to the Jewish Hour, which is a part of a, uh, a larger corporation, a 501 c charitable organization. So the Jewish, uh, we have the Jewish, uh, Jewish Ferndale and other programs that are done through this umbrella organization. So... Uh, It's a a worthwhile cause and definitely something that you should uh, invest in. That's what it is. It's an investment because all of these programs are here to encourage people to investigate their, their roots, their Judaism. If you're not Jewish, investigate your roots. Get more involved with being a religious person. You don't have to be Jewish. You just have to be a good person, and that's hopefully what we're trying to achieve over here. So, com. if you'd like to mail me a check, I still have checks. I still get checks, believe it or not. I have to go to the bank. At this point, it's once a month that I go to the bank. Sometimes it's twice a month, but mostly it's once a month because, thank God, people just don't do checks anymore. We have all these other means, PayPal and Zelle and Venmo and et cetera, that that, uh, preclude me or it's just – Erase the need to go to the bank. it's like yay, <laughs> it's like one thing i one thing I don't have to stand in line for so but if you want to write send a check or or cash or or in kind goods, that's also good, so send those to or drop it off at. The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48237. When I say in kind, so we take things that are relevant to Judaism. And if you've got an old car or something like that, you know, exercise equipment, a boat, we can deal with that. We'll just uh, use that, uh, transfer that, and and turn that into a donation. And uh, it's, it's like every other charitable organization does. So feel free to do that. This story takes place... In, of course, in in central Russia, there was a Rebbe who was known as the Slonim Rebbe. I suppose he was from the town of Slonim, which I'm not exactly sure there's a town in Slonim, but I think there must be. As they call it the Slonim Rebbe, because there's a there are very prominent families with the last name Slonim, and uh, there was a there was a Shalom. Is a hard one? I don't know why his mother' name is Shalom Slonim was a rabbi. And uh, he uh, didn't like to travel, but he had disciples that, f- for all and purposes, he went to go visit them. And what he would do is he would stay at lodgings, which in those days were known in, in the books as inns. So he's staying at an inn. He's going to be scheduled there for like a week. And when he's there, he noticed this certain person had a certain aura a certain settledness about them. They said, "This is a very special person. I have to find out who this person is." Figured the first day he's not going to buy. He's going to be a couple of days. Second day he sees the guy, and still he's like emitting this aura, this this serenity. And it's just like I have to go visit him. But by the time he got done seeing people, and people came to him and asking advice, so. He the 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 uh, this other person went to went to sleep already it was or the third day. He says I have to go over to him. So Pinchas went over to him and said, "Tell me, how are you?" He said, "Thank you, very I'm I'm fine. Thank you very much." He says, um, "What what what do you do?" He said, "I sell shoes." So he said, uh, "Well, tell me about your day." And this person went into great detail. He says, I wake up at a quarter to six every morning. And it was like, by the time that he was like three quarters of the way through his de- his deal day, Rabbi Shalom of, of uh, Slonim was like trying to stop himself from falling asleep. It was like, there's nothing special going on over here. He said, tell me to you, Davin. And he said, tell you the truth, Rabbi, I'm illiterate. But I know the three paragraphs of the Shema. And I say the Shema when I wake up, and I say it before I go to sleep. And he said, isn't there anything else, something that you do? And he says, when I get into bed and I'm about to fall asleep, this is my last words. I say, master of the world, I ask only one thing from you. If I don't have what it takes to fulfill the mission for which you created me, don't wake me up tomorrow. Wake me up only if you believe I can do everything you need me to do in the world. And with that, Shalom Islam had his answer. Here was a person who had sincere trust and faith in the Almighty, that if I woke up this morning, it's because God wants me here today. That's going to do it. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. ay, yeah. oh, yeah, ay, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah.